Stories. Everybody's got them, and we can learn from each other. History can be traced through letters and writings, but the one thing that has remained throughout the generations is the oral tradition. Oral history is one attempt to pass along the stories, tales, musings, and remembrances of one family for the benefit of listeners for generations to come. Join us now for this episode of Oral History with Jeff Zulkowski. Tonight we're going to talk about uh, the Zulkowski years, part two. Two weeks ago, we were together and we were kind of discussing how God orchestrated events to bring Larissa and I together through jobs across state lines, how he brought her from Indiana, how he brought me from Nashville, despite the fact that we'd been in each other's presence a number of times, even as recently as a few months before we actually met for the very first time in January of 2005. And so we want to get you caught up where we were. We talked about how, in the previous episode, we talked about how God uh, orchestrated events to bring Larissa here to Cleveland with a job, how when she got here, she moved into an apartment and found herself literally on the same square on a map, like H6. She and Brian Howell and Jennifer Howell lived a block apart. No, like a street apart. It was crazy. They were so close. And so uh, go back and listen to episode six and and it'll help you catch up. But we want to kind of pick up where we left off because we had worked our way through basically January through about March, April Mm -hmm. of 2005. And I want Larissa to kind of tell you the next part as we moved into May. Well, um... At one point, uh, we we had been seeing each other, uh, just really hanging out. It wasn't, like, we didn't talk about, hey, just my boyfriend, or like, like we never even talked about boyfriend, girlfriend, Mm-mm, ever. Not at all. Um, and we didn't really talk about it at church or anything. We just kind of, because we saw each other, because we lived two buildings away from each other, uh, but we spent a lot of our evenings together. I worked full time, and... Uh, Well, we both worked more hours than we probably needed to because we were single. We didn't have anybody at home. I think there were a few episodes of 24 on the TV. If I I remember. I can't remember. I think we watched movies or whatever. He he would come over to my apartment usually because I I had a dog, um, Tess, at the time. So I would have to go home, but I was usually the one who cooked anyway. So uh, he would come over um, and eat or we'd go out or we'd take a walk or whatever. Uh, But we were spending a lot of evenings together. And then we'd see each other at church, but it wasn't really obvious, I don't think, to anybody else that we were seeing each other. And it wasn't about us pursuing each other. It wasn't. It It was was just, wow, I just really enjoyed time. And I had been lonely. And and he didn't know much of anybody either. So it was kind of like, oh, we're kind of in the same boat. And it was always just a very easy relationship. Um, and then, um, well, you can tell about in, I think it was in April, sometime. late April, late yeah. April, my mom um, who had, um, my mom had, she was diagnosed with Parkinson's in the 1980s and they'd kind of mapped out for my mom what her life was going to look like. It was going to be a slow, steady decline to where she would go from zero to 99 in her life and 99 being basically uh, an active brain trapped in a body that couldn't do anything. And Jeff had actually spoken about that in a previous episode. I can't remember exactly which one, but one of the earlier ones. And 
she had a stroke and it took her from about 40% to 99%. And she was bedridden. She was, but during this time in 2005, she really grew ill in April. And I was called by the family because they thought at that point, my sister and my, my sister and my brother-in-law and my dad thought she was going to pass away in April. So they called me and I flew to Colorado and spent some time. And I remember it was during a Sunday morning service. He got the call and he, took off and and was gone for about a week and and she got better and i came back to cleveland and i said well you know i'll i'll do this again as many times as i have to but at this point i'm going to go back to cleveland and and continue to do what god is calling me to do at cuyahoga valley church and i hadn't really heard much from him i i think i heard through brian and jennifer kind of what was going on and um i think your mom had aspiration pneumonia or something and like they're like yeah she may not survive but um you guys kind of planned her funeral while we did there because they you know they expected her to pass away but she she got better and um i then uh so i hadn't heard much from him but then he called me and he asked me to pick him up from the airport which in my mind was i thought that was kind of important that i was the person he wanted to see first um and I don't know that it was very, like, consciously, I have to see her because I love her. It was, she's the person I want to see. And yeah, it was more, it was more of that comfort. Mm-hmm. And I knew she would have words to say and comfort to offer that I needed at that time. But you have to understand, our grieving process of, as a family was stretched out over Years. a good decade. Yeah. And with my mom. And so um, we can talk about that in future episodes as well. Yeah, it was just, for for me, I thought it was an important kind of a little bit pivotal point in our relationship that I was the person he wanted to see. And um, then uh, my birthday is in the middle of May. And uh, he took me out, Jeff took me out to dinner and he bought me flowers and they were purple which is my favorite color. I was like, you know, he pays attention. That's really cool. And uh, we had just a lovely time. It was just nice. I don't think I'd ever been taken out for my birthday by a guy. But um, again, I just really felt like all the time that we spent together just brought us closer. And um, then at the end of May... We we had a, an opportunity on a Saturday to really spend yeah. some time together. Totally Emily Howell's birthday is May twenty eighth. And so we were we were together at Emily Howell's birthday party and and there were just some events that day that kind of moved Larissa forward in her appreciation for well, me. It was just really nice. Thank you for reminding me of that. Because that Saturday was very important. Um that weekend was very important. It was the end of May, so Emily's birthday was May 28th and they in the house I was always invited to stuff and Uncle Jeff was always invited to stuff and um we went I remember we went shopping for a gift for Emily that day and uh I think she was turning 3 mm-hmm. and uh so we bought her something well he had Jeff had remembered in one of our conversations that I love Carol Burnett I just love her and he was looking for something. I was looking for something for him. He's like, I'm going to go look in electronics because he always has to wherever we were. And he came back and he says, 
I got something for you. I'm like, what is it? He got me a DVD of old Carol Burnett shows. I mean, that was, I used to beg my parents, can I stay up late and watch Carol Burnett? And I thought, you know, he just pays attention and that's really cool. So I was, you know, enamored of this and, guy. And we get to the party. It's an outdoor party mm -hmm. at Brian and Jennifer's house. And the first person we roll upon is a, a young man by the name of Joe. And Joe's just not having a good day. Joe's sitting on the swings. He's probably four, five, six years old. And he's just not having a good day. And I know his parents, they were on the worship team. And I just went up and kind of talked to him and asked him what was going on and just tried to offer some comfort while Larissa engaged Mr. and Mrs. Howell, Brian's parents. Brian's parents. So because I went to college with Brian and because Brian and I were in a drama and music group uh, in college together, I knew his parents really well. I knew his grandparents. I knew his brother and sister. Um and it was so nice to see them. But I'm watching, you know, as I'm I'm talking to Brian's parents, I'm watching Jeff engage this young man. And basically that conversation, it turned Joe's day around. Like Jeff got him out of his funk somehow and he start he went off and started playing with the kids. Like whatever it was, Jeff helped him. And that but I I just loved that that was his first focus. Like he immediately saw someone who needed something. And he went and took care of it. And um, I mean, and so Mrs. Howell came up to me, Brian's mom, and she says, she looks at me and she kind of looks at Jeff because we came together. We drove together. And um, she's like, are you and Jeff dating? And I said, yeah, I mean, we have been for, for you know, a few months. And she goes, oh, Larissa. We think so much of both of you. That is just wonderful. We are so excited for that. And I said, thank you. I said, I'm kind of excited about it too. <laughs> you know, and because I'm looking at this guy, I go, there is nothing. I hadn't found anything yet that was a red flag or anything. You know, you think, and before you get the feeling that I think my husband's perfect, I know he's not, and I know I'm not either. Um, quite honestly, he knows the things that he does that drive me crazy. But there was nothing that I felt off put. Uh, yeah, he didn't do anything that put me off. And he just constantly showed care and love for other people. He was just and people were drawn to him. Children were drawn to him. I just thought, wow, this he's a great guy. Like, I don't think I've met anyone quite like him. Um, so so you, my, were you were starting to feel My heart was like, okay, I got to just be careful because I don't know how he feels about this. And honestly, I don't know if I knew how I felt that Saturday. So Sunday rolls around and our worship team would have times of uh, worship and prayer together on Sunday nights because we didn't have services. Our young adult ministry met on Sunday nights. So we would have these prayer meetings together and we'd kind of move from house to house. So this particular night after this time together on Saturday at this party, we're at some friend's house, uh, Penny and John Chapek, and just kind of moving through the night of prayer. Well, it was the first time that we actually appeared at a worship arts event together. 
So we walk in together. It was obvious we came together. Jeff was serving me. I mean, I had, I found a seat on a couch and he, we always had snacks or food or whatever. And he went and got a plate for me and was sitting next to me. And so people were starting to notice. I got a few looks from Penny Chappick. (laughs) She kept making me giggle, but, um, just kind of teasing looks like I knew this was happening. And, um, so I'm just, but I still, you know, we still weren't uncomfortable about it, but, um, the time came for the prayer night and I, I don't know, we just, sometimes we would, people would pray out loud. Sometimes we would pray quietly. Sometimes it was led, but I was just praying. Jeff actually had put his arm around me. Um, and so I'm praying in my head, um, Lord, I, I had felt the night before that I was beginning to fall in love with him. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I don't know what you want of this. I'm hoping that he feels the same way. If, if not, please make that evident. And, but I said, if we're to be together, God, please mold me into the woman that I need to be for Jeff. Um, the woman you would have me be. Um, and none of this was out loud. No, no, this was in my head. I, I mean, immediately after I said that, mold me into the woman you want me to be, Jeff starts praying in my ear very quietly. God, please bless Larissa. Please mold her into the woman you would have her be. And I about, I opened my eyes and looked at him and thinking, I didn't say that out loud, did I? And he's just praying fervently for me that God would bless me and show me who he would have me be. And it was just, it blew my mind. And I'm kind of shaking inside going, I've never had this kind of thing happen. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's entirely God. And... Go what ahead, honey. Saturday, Riss kind of began to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I was figuring it out there. And so we finished up the prayer time together and we were driving home. It was actually dark. Mm-hmm. And I asked you a question. I asked you if I could ask you a question. And I'm like, okay. Because I was like, I don't have any idea what's going to come out of his mouth. But I'm like in my soul i knew it was going to be big and so we're driving down uh broadview road and you uh, you said i need to ask you a question but you can't answer it right away for three days and your response (laughs) was Uh, well i said okay at first i'm like okay because then i'm like well now i don't know what he's gonna ask me (laughs) because the three days and then what did you ask me? The question was, is it okay that I'm falling in love with you? And my response was, what do you mean I have to wait three days to answer that? That's not fair. And (laughs) what I explained to her is that we needed time to process this. And I didn't want her to just blurt out an answer. I wanted her to pray about it. I wanted her to spend some time seeking God and knowing for certain that this is what he had for both of us. And I was willing to do the same. So this is a Sunday night. And I said to him, I'm like, okay, but will you hold my hand? And he goes, that sounds like an answer. I'm like, 
no, it's not. I just want you to hold my hand. <laughs> so he held my hand as we drove back. And I'm pretty sure we, we usually drove my car because um, it was nicer than his. So we drove back to our apartments. We went our separate ways. I'm like, and I didn't sleep all night. Yeah. Tell them about your Monday. I'm not a, I'm not a journaling person, but I journaled that night because I couldn't sleep. I was like, okay, Lord, this is not, this is not what, you know, the romantic comedies or whatever make love to be like, like the, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I, I was a complete mess. <laughs> I went to work on Monday and, um, my beautiful friend Vaso, uh, our office manager, she's like, are you okay? Cause you know, dark circles, I would cry because of happiness and I couldn't believe it was happening. And I, but I literally, I was no use whatsoever to anyone. Vaso actually sent me home. She, so I tell her what happened and she's like, Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. She's like, girl, you just need to go. Just go home. Because she's like, you are getting nothing done. And you're of no use to anybody. There's no, It's not busy today. Just go home. So I, I went back to my apartment. I literally gathered every piece of laundry I could find. And I went to the laundromat. <laughs> because I couldn't do anything that needed brain power. Because I had none. It, and I, call, I remember calling my sister Deborah. And crying. Because I was so, I'm like, I, I had to share with her and she was excited for me. And just because when, when she and her husband, um, got engaged, they hadn't dated for very long. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what just happened? She goes, when you know, you know. And I said, I finally know what you mean. Um, and I said, I don't know what's going on. Like he didn't ask me, but you know, this is what he said. So we cried and I'm like, I'm doing laundry because I don't know what else to do. And um, I think, so finally, three days pass and... Tuesday, the goal was to get together. Tuesday night, I would make dinner for her. I remember I made you lemon chicken and rice. Um, things like that just stick with me. And you came to my apartment that night and we had yeah. dinner together. I think you had flowers. I had flowers. But there were flower petals, right? Yeah. There were, I'm like, oh my gosh. Because there's flower petals. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. And he opened the door, though, before you and he, he opens the door to invite me in. I'm like, can I answer you now? Because I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I've been a mess. And, and I'm and still he, not sure what the answer is going to be silly man um so i'm like yes it's totally okay because i think i'm falling in love with you too so i was like okay i'm like oh i can finally relax i was i had been so just all emotion for days so then we spent the next three oh, hours talking gosh, about everything talking. we ate and then we dreams talked. and well we talked about marriage and, and children and our expectations for marriage and i just told him flat out i said you know i i know that i can have a strong opinion about things and um but i expect you to be the spiritual head of the family that's your job i said as a single woman I've had to do things by myself, own a house and take care of that and do all these things and my finances and I'm like I'm 
not wired to do that. Like as, as a married couple, I expect you to be the head of the household. I also expect if there's a big decision to be made for you to ask for my input, but the final decision will be yours. I want to be able to trust you because I feel like that's your job biblically. And, and, and marriage is, despite what you may have heard, marriage is not 50-50. It's 100%, 100%. And it's completely giving yourself over to the other person, mind, body, soul, will, and saying, I trust you with mm -hmm. me. And with, with our future. And he's never given me reason to not trust him. But it's because he seeks the Lord first and we seek we both seek the lord and the lord brings us to the same understanding about things um but then you know we're just talking about um hopes and dreams and he said i remember he said to me because we basically without him formally asking we knew we were going to get married that night like we knew it there was no doubt in either of our minds and uh he just he said well i read that you know, I'm supposed to spend, I don't know, three, two, two or two three years, no, two or three months. Oh, salary. Worth. That's right. Two or three months salary on a ring. So it's going to take me a while. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll tell you what I want. And I, I had, I wore a ring at the time. It had a, actually a fake sapphire in it. It was the, the mount was, um, my paternal grandmother's, my grandma, Helen, it was circa 1918. Um, her, she had gotten engaged um, to a young man, and then he went off to World War One, and he died overseas. And um, her, his family had her keep the ring. And then she got engaged to my grandfather in the Great Depression. They wanted to get married, and he, they didn't have money. And she says, well, I have a ring. Is it okay if I use that? And he was fine with it. So anyway, I love that story well um the original uh main diamond had been given to my aunt but she didn't want the mount so my mother had it and she'd given it to me several years before and i had a i had a fake sapphire put in it and i said i just want a diamond in this i've always that's what i've always wanted so i gave it to to jeff and, and the very uh, next day i headed to a jewelry <laughs> store like, oh gosh so he tells me after work he's like well i went to the jewelry store i'm like oh okay you know, it's like, because, you know, you have to get used to this fact and going, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Now, I the ring is important because as we move into June, we're, we're rolling up to June 9th, and it was a Thursday. There was worship practice, and I had told Larissa specifically that I did not want to make a big splash with my proposal to her. I wanted it to be quiet, and I wanted it to be just the two of us because I don't do well in front of people. And I told He's her— a liar. And I had told her that the ring wasn't ready yet, so it didn't matter anyway. Well, I had had the ring for a couple of days. He was in his pocket when he's telling me this. So we go out to the car. He walks me to the car. He kisses me goodbye. I go to work, and he puts this plan together. I come. So I'm on worship team that night. Um, so I come to rehearsal. I'd gone home from work, and I changed into these ratty shorts and flip-flops and, I don't know, some kind of t-shirt or something and uh so i go up to the booth to see him when i get there and he's in a t-shirt and shorts and a ball cap 
and I say hi and um, give them a kiss, and then I go down to rehearse. And we we had some things going on. We 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 lowered the lights in the room. It was so that she couldn't see exactly what was transpiring in the wings. We had the stage lights on. We had a gentleman actually there, a friend of mine named Adam, who was videotaping, and we and I had told her that we were putting together a promo for the worship team. Well, he said over the, you know, over the microphone, he said, hey, Brian, I've got these guys here. You know, remember, we're doing that promo, so I want to shoot some footage for the promo. There was Take somebody some taking, pictures. Somebody Nate. taking pictures and a guy doing video. Meanwhile, I had, you know, on the stage, like, I told everybody, you know, I was like telling some of the ladies that I was singing with. They already knew. I didn't know. They didn't let knew. in. Everybody there knew. Um, there were there were staff members that had wandered into the back of the worship center and were seated in the dark. Rick and Marianne Duncan showed up. Um, Brian, Jennifer and I were upstairs getting everything kind of in place. I changed clothes. Oh, and Penny Chappick came up there, too. And Megan was there. Because at one point in rehearsal, I swore, like, there was a quiet moment. And I, and I heard a little kid, I thought. And I was like, I swear that's Megan Howell. And I looked and I didn't see anybody. I was like, I must have been imagining things. Oh, they, she and so Jen Howell and Penny and Megan had swiftly dropped to the floor up in the booth so that I couldn't see them because everybody, everybody knew even my family, Jeff had, um, at one point we had, uh, I have to back up a little bit before yeah. this night. Um, we had called your parents. Well, because my we had called my parents. I don't know. I was home for some reason. Uh, maybe a, one of my nieces graduated. I don't remember mm -hmm. exactly. That was it. I think Brittany maybe graduated from high school. And so I had gone home and he called my parents to talk to them and asked my dad for permission. And they'd never met Jeff, but they, you know, he made his intentions known. And well, he had apparently called them some other time and told them what he was doing so even my family knew in indiana knew we were getting engaged that night and i didn't know so jeff changes we're so we're seeing there was a a pause in the rehearsal and a I'll, song started playing on the sound system and i and it was once you have found her, never let her go. God had spoken that to me as, like, show tunes don't come to my head. But when I found Larissa <coughs> and God confirmed that she was the one, the 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 line from a particular song from South Pacific, yeah. once you found her, never let her go. So this he had was some enchanted evening starts playing. So this song starts playing, and he had told me that that song had gone through his head that Sunday night. And then on the screen, this graphic comes up. People says, are like, you're missing it, Larissa. Look at the screen. And I and look it says, and it says, I have, an, I have another question for and you. And I go, oh, my gosh, he's doing this here. And all I could think of was I had kicked my flip-flops off. I'm like, I'm barefoot in my rattiest pair of shorts. And there are people videotaping and taking a picture and we're getting engaged. And then I see him walking down the aisle. And he's got a dozen long stem roses in his hands and he's changed clothes. He was wearing a shirt that I helped him buy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I was totally giddy. I was, I, I was grinning like an idiot. And we have it on video. So I'm and sure I, he'll post a link to it. I'm sure. So you can see it. Um, and I got down on one knee and I asked her if she would marry said, me. 
he said, will you marry me? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, yes. And, uh, then he so he put the ring on and we kissed and I'm like you were such a liar you told me you didn't have the ring and it was in your pocket the whole time and then everybody then Brian had um rehearsed everybody else um close to you the song close to you why do birds suddenly appear because Jeff would sing that song to me all the time it was so sweet and I gotta tell you that um several years before before I ever moved to Cleveland um I had gotten a gift of um, a bracelet that had a little tiny um, box on it that would open. And um, I had actually written down on a little piece of paper all the things that I was looking for in a husband. And I was like, God, this is my prayer. It was a little tiny prayer box. That was what it was called. You write down your prayers and you stick them in there. You carry them with you all the time. And, And one of the things was I want you know, a godly man. I mean, I can't remember all the stuff on him. I think I still have it somewhere, but one of them was, I want someone who would sing. Now, when I wrote that down, I was thinking, you know, somebody, you know, a man who will sing to me. And in my head, when I wrote it, I was thinking, you know, of a guy who can, you know, he can really sing like we can sing together. And you know what, when Jeff sings to me, it's the most wonderful thing. It's the sweetest thing ever. Um, he doesn't have the best voice. He's got, his voice is fine, but he doesn't like to sing in front of people, but that he sings to me and he changes the words to match for me. I'm like, I didn't know how great that could be. And, um, so they start singing. Why do birds suddenly appear? I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys were in on this. They go, oh yeah, we all do. Everybody knew. I go, well, I believed you when you acted surprised. And um, yeah, so it was great. And then Jeff tells me, um, we're talking about when, because we went out to dinner. We went to Applebee's again that night. And I just, I just looked at my ring sparkling in the light. And um, we're talking about when. He goes, well, I want to, I have friends, you know, in Nashville, you know, I want to, I want to get married like before school starts again. So how's August? Mind you, this is June 9th. <laughs> like, um, that's really fast, honey. Um, we eventually, uh, settled on, um, October, October 15th. We were going to do October 1st, which was my grandmother's birthday, but, um, we couldn't get the church that day. So we settled on the 15th and, Gosh, it was a beautiful day. Um, The hardest thing was that the very next day, my grandmother passed away. The day after our engagement. Right, the day after our engagement. June 9th, we got engaged. June 10th, my grandma passed away. And um, I was the executor of her estate. So then I had to be away from him. (laughs) The first week that I was engaged, I wasn't even with him. And um, so that that was really difficult. But then... Um, yeah, we had, we had planned on, um, I think my mom actually, we went shopping for, while we were, I was home for my grandmother's funeral. We went shopping for wedding dress pattern because my mother sews, she's wonderful. And, um, we talked about how many attendants we wanted. Yes. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get in, but we're going to have a part three. We got to have a part three because it takes too long. We're going to talk about 
all the things leading up to our wedding mm. and a little bit after because there were some pretty monumental things oh, yeah. that happened in our lives very shortly after our wedding as well. So we're going to put a bow on this for right now. Um, we're going to come back in a couple weeks and we're going to do part three of the Zilkowski years. And we'll share that with you then. But as always, I want to pray for you. Oral history is about you, the listener, and it's about you and our desire that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we want to pray for that. We want to pray for you and just, you know, say that if you have the opportunity, if you're married and you have the opportunity in the next week or so, spend some time together again with the cell phone off, looking across each other, lock eyes across the table, and just spend some time remembering your stories. And if you're single, again, we talked about this last week, know that God is enough and he has a plan for you, but don't let anybody tell you that you have to be married and that that's his plan for you because he may not. And you need to be chasing him and let him determine what he's going to do. And with that you. your worth is not dependent upon whether you are married or not. Correct. It, it is not at all. I I despise the the idea especially for young women, it, it's much more prevalent that you're lacking something because you're not married. That's not so. Um, God can use you exactly who you are by yourself, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And um, Jeff doesn't complete me. God does. Correct. And I don't want anything to happen to him. I don't want him to to die and me not to have him but would i be okay if he if he were to leave me yes because i have god and he would it's not that i wouldn't mourn him it's not that i wouldn't grieve but god is enough god is my purpose not being married to jeff so please hear that and know that you are valuable married or single it, it doesn't matter to God. He will use you. So let me pray for you. Father, I praise, I praise you. I praise you for the things that we remember about our story, about how you knit our hearts together, how you spoke through us to each other, how you uh, orchestrated events to bring us right to the point that we are now, 17 years into marriage. And Lord, I pray, Father, for those who are listening. I pray for our listeners that they would... Um, just sense your your plan and your presence in their lives, that if they're married, that they would seek each other out, that they would um, remember their stories and they would see how you worked in their lives through all of that. And if they're single, that you would show them, Lord, how valuable they are, how much you love them and how how much you want to pursue them and and complete them. So, Father, um, for those that don't know you, open their eyes and their ears to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came to earth, that he died on a cross for our sins, and that he uh, rose again and has given his life for us so that we may have relationship with you and that they can repent and turn to you. So, Father, thank you for our listeners. Thank you for everybody that's part of this now and well into the future. Draw them to yourself. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
So that's episode seven, and we'll come back with the Zulkowski years part three in episode eight, and we'll finish this out, the wedding in Upland, Indiana. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Aural History. This has been a production of Z Media and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. Join us again next time.